When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So this is what we do. You're a brave man. I'm not saying I'm definitely going to do that, but I think in terms of timing wise, if I'm heading towards 29... And we're absolutely cool with having the, the piss ripped out of us, right? So, Indeed. yeah, yeah. Which is going to be difficult for Suj not to on this one. <laughs> well, it's not my... I don't own the club. What can you do? Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Planet FPL, the world where everything revolves around fantasy Premier League. My name's Suj. And my name is James. How you doing, boss? How you feeling? FPL. No, no, no. Stop, stop. Just tell everyone how you're feeling. Is Clayton, is Clayton still employed? Clayton's still employed. Um... I'm not bothered, if I'm honest with you. Like, from I switched it off yesterday at 1-0. I switched it off at 3-0. <laughs> and after that, it's like 1-0, 6-0, whatever. We lost. Got a battering. But it's been coming for a while, right? Record home league defeat. Is it? I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Should, would you rather just talk not, about not, FPL? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm no. surprisingly not... Uh, just not bothered. I don't know. It is what it is, right? At the end of the day... It, nothing's changed from losing 6-0 at home that wasn't there before. It was just the same problems that Moises Am- had for a little while have though, been, uh, spotlight's been put on it now. And the problem is it's been a bit of a prolonged run where he's kind of getting away with it a little bit and he didn't yesterday. So um, nothing's going to change. The club's not going to fire him. I don't see how they can based on the You'll get position. a bit of a turn off yesterday though. Yeah, right? massively. But I don't think the club will fire him. So, you know, you just... Keep it moving. All right, how was your FPL week? Uh, better than yours. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the disaster. Better than yours. I was wondering where the fuck did my extra two points come from? Then I realised it's Trippier over Poro. Is basically the only place that I had yeah, any advantage over. The you. only win I'm claiming this week is the Bravka's one point over Ariola zero. That's the so, <laughs> but then I think this is a bit of a story of the weekend in a few ways because uh, both of us don't have any Arsenal. You but. sold your arse. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah nodding for those yeah. on the audio, yeah. And 
the way that even the way that the Man City game started was like, uh, by the time you got to 60 minutes, you're thinking, I knew Everton were going to be a tough opponent. I shouldn't have captained uh, Holland. I knew it was going to be a difficult game. I knew it was going to be low scoring. And then by the end of it, your head's completely turned because Holland scored two goals. And you're thinking, well, yeah, I, I knew he was the right person to put the armband on. Just um, as well, me and you did do that. Yeah, that was a saviour this week. And then even coming out of the three o'clock games, I'd had two assists out of Trent and Trippier. Had a goal out of Jota. Uh, so I was thinking, all right, I had a few blanks here as well. Richarlison, Foden uh, and Alvarez in the morning, Doherty and Dubravka. But I thought at least I've had some returns in Hall and Captain Jota and Trent. Uh, and I had a green arrow on Saturday, but then completely destroyed by Arsenal. Uh, yesterday and oh, more was like a massive one. green arrow on Saturday and uh, yeah uh, everyone that's sold Saka or moaning about Saka or even the defensive guys and, and obviously Clayton's sitting here pretty with his triple Arsenal defence Clayton by the way we never talk about he his needs rank to, when he comes on he the he needs pods. to just yeah, come and take over from us man yeah he told me this he's morning, up to 43k Clayton yeah yeah. I have no idea how but no me neither because I think he's shit at the game really sorry yeah. Clayton hi pal uh, yeah, but that uh, he what he must have got out of the Arsenal defence yesterday close to thirty points, twelve, yeah. twelve, and a six, I think. So uh, Saliba and a bonus, perhaps a little bit more than Gabriel, I think. Wow, so plenty. Uh, Saka was fifteen. No, neither of them in the bonus. So twelve, twelve. Raya seven point for Raya. Okay, so twenty uh, thirty-one. Thirty-one. Yeah, amazing. Nearly our team scores. Uh, did you make a but transfer? Then, you fairness, did, right? He obviously hasn't got Saka, so no. you win some, lose you some. Sold, you sold Saka for? I sold Saka for Jota. I don't have huge regrets on, on that particular decision because it was the only viable way for me to get a Liverpool attacker, really, uh, without smashing up the team. Probably more regret on the other transfer, actually. Um, Doughty in for Gusto, which was one I felt I could have waited on. But it was like, if I'm going to go there, I've got a game in for Sheffield United at home. But obviously it meant, uh, impactfully, obviously meant benching Gabriel. But in fairness, I was bust on Gusto in the team ahead of Gabriel anyway. So I was never particularly playing Gabriel this week. I also decided the more I looked at my team as the week went on to play Bowen over Bailey. Bailey obviously got a cheeky little assist yesterday. He did. Um, And that was off the basis of thinking the longer the week went on, I thought it was every chance Bailey wouldn't start. Not that I fancied Bowen to do anything, but then looking at him, I'm benching Gabriel as well. Let's let's go with Bowen. I couldn't believe what his EO was in the top 10k going into that game yesterday. Six percent, Jared Bowen. Wow! So it actually, suddenly became a huge differential, um, and you can see why it became a huge differential because he never looked like scoring yesterday. No. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, you can look at it hindsighty and go, "Oh, you sold Saka for Jota." I felt the timing was right if I was going to sell Saka or not at all. The reality is, let's be honest about it, this is the impactful thing that happens on cup results, impacting strategy. If Chelsea had lost to Aston Villa last Wednesday, I'd have sold Bowen, wouldn't I, rather than Saka. But it was looking at my longer-term plan game. I'm definitely going to want Bowen hang about for me till game with 29. Your fixtures are good after Arsenal. You won't get beat 6-0. You got beat six 0 Yeah, we haven't looked like scoring in ages. That's why I've got I've got nowhere near any uh, West Ham attacking asset. Oh, I've got Kudos part of my plan for twenty six maybe <laughs> as well. Just, just go for just it. Just for the crack. So yeah, not a good week for me. Fifty points. I've dropped uh, circa sort hundred k ish to two hundred and seventy eight k. As I said, the small win for me this week was Dubravka's one point over Ariola zero. Uh, four points for Trent. Seven for Jota. Captain Holland, that is my week. 
Wow. So, yeah, shit. Haaland's over half my points, isn't he? Mm. So I just need Cole Palmer's two points tonight at Crystal Palace to confirm. And unlike this time last week where I said, Phil Foden won't get 12 and I probably won't be beating you this week. And he did. I can't beat you this week because we've both only got Palmer left tonight. Yeah, but Palmer could drag our ranks back a little bit, but probably not. He'd need about a 60-pointer nah, to, to be, be honest, he could get worse tonight, right? Because yeah, there will could. be people gustos with, and stuff. with gustos yeah. and stuff like that, yeah. I agree. I agree. I made my two transfers reasonably early. I sold... Poro and uh, Diaby for Foden and Doughty. Foden and Doughty, no returns, but still net two points up on the transfer because Poro got a two-pointer. And Diaby for Villa managed to get himself booked after coming on as a sub. So it was a zero-pointer. So uh, ended up being a, a net positive on the transfers that I made. Um, but yeah, overall, the only thing I had on top of you, like I said, was an assist for Kieran Trippier, whose BPS disappeared. Who knows what's going on with that? I had Gabriel first sub. Darwin Nunes had one bonus point appear as well. Oh, fair play. Yeah. I uh, yeah, I had Gabriel first sub, which was uh, a little bit painful, but I don't see how I would have made a different decision on that. Now, nah, to be honest, for me, it was always ben- it's not the first time I've benched him this year, and he's returned points. Um, I benched him at home to Brighton when he kept a clean sheet. I benched him for his ten pointer at Liverpool. I did at least have the seventeen pointer against Crystal Palace, but basically. Um, Three of the last four times he's returned in games, he's been sat on my bench. How many? I've, du- had him, I've had him all season. How many doubles are you going into this week with? <laughs> well, we don't know yet. So okay. the intention was to roll um, going into this week. I have three City. Me I have too. Foden, Alvarez, Holland. Snap. I have Doughty now. Snap. I have Trent and Jota. So we're both on exactly the same six. Now, Trent. We can all see the yellow flag at the moment. Well, he came um, off at half-time, didn't he? Yeah, interesting quotes from Klopp. I think a lot of seem to have read between the lines saying he's probably going to be out. I don't know if that's quite the case at the moment. Klopp did say it was the same knee that would obviously kept him out for a couple of weeks, a short period ago. And therefore, um, they'd obviously tread carefully, carefully. Now, what I would say is if he were planning to get, I definitely wouldn't bother. But obviously, if he's going to be available for any part of it, I don't think it's worth me taking him out. No. He's a player that was definitely sending 26. However, if he's ruled out, there's a few options available to me. One is nothing. Suck it up and just go, right, I'm going to play Leon Bailey or Cole Palmer instead with a single game week. Or I sell him for a defender. Part of my plan actually had been to go to Diogo Dallo in 26 or another Arsenal defender. Yes, ironically. Or I could go with, say, a Brentford defender. And it's looking at that that's quite interesting then because if, if I sell Trent, whatever I do, I'm putting money in the bank, right? And I've got two million sitting there. I'll ask you this, Serge. What do you think of this as a, a minus eight? For this week? Yeah, possibly. Go on. Alvarez to Nunes. Palmer to De Bruyne. Trent to a Brentford defender. And the reason Brentford defender, yes, sure, double. But 26... Obviously, covers, unlike, um, say, uh, Liverpool, like, like Connor Bradley, if Trent is out, for example, and obviously fixture in 29. So it's almost saving me a transfer down the line. I don't, I don't mind it. Um, it feels look, like a minus eight for De Bruyne, though, doesn't it? Yeah, Basically. very much so. It's all about De Bruyne over Alvarez, and I don't see enough of a guarantee on that being a good move I do you know what when you said to me uh, how's this for a minus eight the first name that I thought was going to come out of your mouth or the end goal that was going to come out of your mouth was going to be to get Salah in somehow I thought you were going to try and shoehorn 
Salah into I midfield for I someone. Don't think he's going to play enough minutes for it to be worthwhile. Yeah, it's it's not definitely. I not certainly on my wouldn't radar. captain him. Hundred percent not on my radar. Um, my plan this week will be to triple captain triple Haaland. Haaland. Um, yeah, boring. The, yeah, to be honest with you, done, right? the only thing that will change that for me is if there's word on Saturday morning that he's not in the starting lineup. In which case, I might even still captain him. <laughs> it's a double. Yeah. Just wouldn't be triple captain. But his EO is going to be off the yeah, scale. Yeah, it, this it week. will be massive. Because um, I think even if even if Salah is back, I don't think many people are going to go down that way and nah. and captain. He's going to be the obvious captaincy for many. Someone like Trent would have been a good differential. Can you go Jota, Nunes, Foden, De Bruyne? Of course you can. It's obviously going to be massive on Holland. From the triple captaincy perspective. I think a few will wait for Solanke in 28. Yeah, that's the only other temptation is like just go swing against it and go with Solanke just we, for a bit of fun. We now obviously know that fixture with, with Luton will happen in game with 28 and there will be plenty of people mm. um, bench boosting this week, I think. Um, there'll be a few wild cards knocking about. There'll be a few free hits knocking about. But most of the others, it'll be triple captaincy. I think the majority of people will be using the chip somewhere this week and the majority of that I think will be a triple captaincy on Haaland especially after the two goals at the weekend I could see that narrative building if if he'd not scored at the weekend well he's done nothing since he's been back he doesn't need to do a lot does he no this exactly that let's uh, talk about the games and that's a good segue into it James and uh, see who is and isn't of interest because it's uh, quite a narrow field from an FPL point of view right now uh, Manchester City 2 Everton nil. in the end in the end, um, in the end, following some surprising, obvious team news, so De Bruyne being the the biggest one of all to to suddenly miss out and obviously not being. I say suddenly, most of us had the information pre deadline. Vardio didn't start. Carl Walker didn't start. Um, Carl Walker has a direct correlation impact, I think, on Phil Foden at the moment as well, which is worth knowing. But Walker will play the majority of the games. I think in terms of the rotation here, let's remember that City got a Champions League game this Tuesday. And what I think is important about the game at Copenhagen is the second leg falls in between a home game with Manchester United and the away game at Liverpool between 27 and 28. If they can get that finished tomorrow night, then he can obviously do what he wants, Pep, with the second leg. And I think that's possibly what he's thinking. So De Bruyne being rested doesn't necessarily mean, uh, oh, shit, he's going to be rested more often. It might have been, let's save some legs yep. for Tuesday. However, Pep also did say that he had clarity that he wanted De Bruyne on the pitch towards the end of the game where he thought there would be more space for him, a la the, the second goal, right? That there where the ball comes into him and Haaland's obviously just trying to drag Brantway out of position. You, you almost feel at that moment City are scoring. That's mm. mad when you're 70, 80 yards from goal yep. and you've got those two players. It's that good. Yeah. And Haaland was very quiet. We must give Everton huge credit um, because City never had a shot on target till Haaland's first goal. The only other shot they had before injury time of the second half was Haaland's second goal. So Everton defended exceptionally well. Um, good protection in front of the, the back four with Gay and Garner. Tarkovsky and Branthwaite were both great. I know Branthwaite gets done over on the second goal, but it was absolutely great. He's going to go right to the top, I think. Um, but City kept plugging away, and Everton's big problem was, although they defended very well, in the moments that they got the ball, they could cause little damage to, to City yep. in terms of transition and playing through them. So... Yeah, straightforward victory. I think were I free hitting this week, I think it would be Holland, Foden, De Bruyne for me. 
Yeah, they're the best three. Budget allowing. But I think most people will be able to afford whatever they want if they're going to free the, hit this week. Them defensive ones is a headache, isn't it? Yeah, too much of a too much of a headache for me to want to go into. I just wouldn't even go near it. I'd almost rather go Rodri if you... Uh, but why would you... I've said uh, this a few times. I don't hate that. Yeah, I just feel like if budget's a real problem and he's the only one you can get to, but I don't see why it would be for anybody, to be honest with you, especially if you're not going to go with Salah. You got Alvarez? Yes. Not moving it on, leaving it be. I'll make a decision after tomorrow night. I mean, I've mentioned this minus eight. I'll be honest, it's, it's probably unlikely for me because I just think flipping Alvarez and De Bruyne, is it worth doing that? Could easily be that Alvarez plays twice again, doesn't it? Even if he doesn't start tomorrow exactly. night. Exactly. That's why. And he's he can outscore Holland in any given game and as it, well and it, has done this season. He's so. a Saturday, Tuesday turnaround again. Yeah, I'm, I'm not moving any of the, the three that I've got. I'm going to leave it be with them. What won't happen a lot is Matthias Nunes playing that much. Yeah, that's true. Looks like fish out of water every time he plays for City. Mm. The setup really, I felt in my opinion, didn't work. Like Doku skinned Godfrey so many times, particularly in the first half. His, deli- his delivery and his final win product was pretty poor, to be honest. And for as much as I said City dominated with the ball, didn't didn't overly like scoring for long periods. I think it got to the point where when De Bruyne came on with sort of circa half hour to go, I imagine City fans were a bit concerned at that point because mm. they weren't creating oceans of the ball. I thought it was interesting that Kanji essentially moved into midfield to join Rodri rather than Stones. Yeah. I would have much preferred that the other way around. Um, I think, again, that's just not of the quality level for City when Akanji moves into that area in midfield. The thing is, the whole squad's fit, so you know what you're getting with them, pain, right? Everton, just briefly, I don't suppose anyone's looking at them for FPL at the moment, although Brantthwaite can certainly offer you an enabling opportunity. Palace is a big game Monday night because the fixtures afterwards aren't good either. Palace are obviously in bad state. Everton need to win that Monday night, really. Agreed. Agreed. I, uh, I think they will, by the way. Should we talk about Fulham 3, Bournemouth 1? Uh, I think we both called this a draw, didn't we? No, I backed Bournemouth Oh, you win, backed actually. Bournemouth. I, Which thought, the shot I, I had it down the, as a draw. The shot count in the game suggests that maybe they should have. They were a little bit unfortunate, particularly as well, actually, that obviously um, Marcus Sendersai scored and straight afterwards, uh, Rodrigo Muniz obviously got his second of the game. On Muniz... Um, I've mentioned him a lot this season as, yep. as a player to keep an eye on. I think he's 4.4 still at it's the moment. cheap as chips. Don't go there. Um, you think he's too injury prone? No, you I, think that, no uh, I, I don't think, play I don't think it's, as soon as it's they can. injury prone. I think there's two very simple things to think about with this. One, look, he's obviously scored last week and he scored two here. So does he play the next game? Yeah, he probably does. But Breuer's not gone there on loan not to play. And there's every chance Jimenez, we've got a bit of a timeline now of basically a month, he might be back for 29. And the reality is, if you're looking at it, you're looking at it for 29 at the moment, rather than necessarily looking at it for money. You might be looking at it this week, say it does become a scenario where it's like, shit, get Salah in, then this sort of player comes onto your radar. I think avoid it is my point. Okay. So sure, he scored three and two, but I just think there's too much threat there. And when you're buying players like this at the moment, if you're heading to Wolves game with 29, you don't want to be carrying something like that. No, is agreed. He, is he going to get you a one-pointer in 29 and come off the bench? Yeah, probably. But that's probably what it will be in 29. The 26 fixture doesn't look as good as it might have a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, they go to Manchester United. So I think Fulham probably not quite on radar 
at the moment. Um, although the fixture run as an overall isn't terrible. It was a surprise return for Issa Diop. We thought would be out a little bit longer. I don't know if that was forced by tossing Adarabayo um, being out. And interestingly, I'm actually going to do a bit of Eddie Howe defending here, if I may, Such. Go on. On Anthony Gordon's surprise inclusion for Newcastle uh, on Saturday at Nottingham Forest, which had everyone up in arms. And I get that. Um, Eddie Howe didn't actually rule Anthony Gordon out of the game. Did he not? No. Okay, what did he say? He needs a fitness he test? He said hopefully he'll be back sooner rather than later. Okay. <laughs> Vague. Which, which is, yeah. But then it was the journalist that reported that he was out. It was right, the journalist okay. that was there that said he's out. And right. we don't know if off camera Eddie Howe might have said, oh, he was out. But what he actually said on camera, he did not say that Anthony Gordon was definitely out. Similarly, and the reason I bring this up now is... Marco Silva didn't mention, and because it's FPL re- not FPL relevant, no one mentions it, didn't say that Tosin Adarabayo hadn't trained all week right. in his presser. So um, it's not often I, I defend Eddie Howe, but, and I do think he's being cheeky, but I also think he, the journalists have read that wrong. Yeah, yeah they have. We should, be, we should be aware of that. That's why sometimes this happens a lot with Pep. When Pep speaks in pressers, it's really worth watching what he says rather than just picking up the quotes that can be taken out of context. So, Not that I think you're going to go and watch Marco Silva presses too often. Um, so Diop being back is good time with that in mind. They also get Bassi and Iwobi back from AFCON. Um, obviously Nigeria lost to Ivory Coast last night. Congratulations to Ivory Coast on winning AFCON. So that'll be a boost to them as well. Iwobi gives them an extra bit of dynamism mm-hmm. up front. I've had Harry Wilson and uh, Adama Traore back in the squad at the weekend. So in a position... Now, other than Adarabayo, whole squad near enough fit, bar Kenny Teto. Yeah, they're, comf- they're comfy now. They're just about sitting behind Chelsea. Yeah, do you know what I do note with them? Um, their home record's good. They average yeah. over 1.5 points per game at home. They've got quite a few tough sort of home games to go. The City still need to go there, Liverpool, Tottenham, Villa. So there might be that that's partly because of that. But that's good at over sort of 1.5 points per game at home. That's better than a, a few others. Yeah, on Bournemouth, uh, Solanke was obviously very quiet against Forest. Did assist the goal. His underlying numbers were much better at the weekend. There is going to be a big movement towards him. More likely 27-28, right, rather than in the next well, couple. Well, now that double's coming in in twenty eight, yeah, and and actually the, the, the point on Holland that I think is quite important to raise at this juncture as well. Let me give you an example. So, let's say you're running through to game with twenty nine. And you've got Watkins, um, Alvarez, no, Holland. bad example. Watkins, Holland, and Adebayo. Okay, as an example, right? And you get to game with twenty-eight. Now, at that point, you're not selling Adebayo, are you? Because he's got to double himself. Yeah. If you're heading towards twenty-nine, you're not selling Watkins. No. So you're selling the big man. Well, I don't. Uh, for me, I'm going to sell Alvarez. There's a major problem with selling the big man at the moment. I know it's been a bit of gripe within the community. Is Holland's now up to 14.4. Yeah, hey, getting him back is going to be a problem. Well, it's not just that, is it? Because a lot of people will end up selling, right? Even if it's just for 29, whether it's for 28, whatever. Quite clearly, there's something being manipulated or part of FPL's algorithm where because his ownership is so high, obviously the sales aren't hitting his, his, um, his value. Whereas when people are suddenly buying him back, and a lot of people will in game week 30, 
then obviously he's flying up in price again. So it's not inconceivable that you'd sell in 28 and then come game week 30, you're going into 30 and he's like 14.5, 14.6 and you're losing little bits. Now, a lot of people might be able to stomach that, but it's something certainly to bear in mind to be careful of your front three going into 28. So what I'd like to do, Serge, at that point, with what I've got at the moment, is, is possibly now getting Solanke for Alvarez, for me, so he's already in place. Yeah, I'm either, gonna, I'm gonna either in... Tw- probably 27, but if, 27 if, if, I made, if I yeah. made the Nunes move, I'd just go 26, I think. Okay. But it's Alvarez to Solanke, 27. Then I'm going in with Solanke, Watkins, Haaland into 28, and that's just my three that's carrying through. So I'm not selling him. Agreed. That, that's, that's, where, that's where I'm at, 27. That's my idea. And then in 29, if Bournemouth don't play, then it's Solanke to Tony. Right. Obviously, if Solanke ends up playing... In, in 29 as well then there's a decision to make because I'll certainly want Tony in 29 but not desperate to get him earlier just something to think about in terms of your layout and potentially the, the need and it might be a need to move Haaland and what that might mean for you value wise coming into game week 30 and you wouldn't necessarily have to have him for game week 30 right City have Arsenal at home but you know me don't like to argue with him in home games I think that team just briefly on Bournemouth because this is relevant now, because people are going to have their eyes on them coming into the double. I think that team is probably their strongest that they picked. I think that that's... Fit. Because obviously you maybe say Jimenez might get into a, a fully... No, the Bournemouth team. team. Oh, Bournemouth team, sorry. Bournemouth team. I think that's their strongest team. I said last week, I thought Tavernier and Scott didn't play on the Sunday just because of the close proximity of Thursday, Sunday, and they're two players that are quite injury-prone. Remember as well, in 28, you've got like a Saturday to Wednesday, so it's, it's a little bit better. Tavernier and Scott might be risky in terms of playing twice in the double, but remember as well, in Bournemouth's case, they might not even have a game the following weekend. And I think that's quite important. I think Tavernier and Scott are really worth keeping an eye on. I think I might punt Tavernier. And I think... I've in my heart set almost on... Certainly he's as 5. well. He's 5.6 right now. If they end up playing in 29, like I know a lot of people thinking sort of like Barkley and their plans moving forward, which is perfectly reasonable. But I think if Bournemouth were to play in 29 as well, because that 28 double so good, yeah, I'd want a piece of, of Tavernier or Scott possibly to go with Solanke. I, I think I'm going to go into the double with definitely Solanke and Tavernier. The defensive guys, the fullbacks are a little dangerous. Aaron's might impact on Smith. Kirkes might impact on Kelly, but Kelly looks like he's got favouritism at the moment. Senesai is obviously getting more attacking returns than Zabani at the moment. So when it comes around, Senesai is the one that will be more popular defensively. Neto will obviously get a little bit of interest in, in goal as well. It's worth saying their next two is obviously Newcastle away this week and then City at home. So that doesn't feel right to be going into Solanke. But take, for example, me. If I did end up with Nunes this week, and I've already moved Trent, going Nunes to Solanke in 26 makes complete sense. One, I wouldn't have any City defensive coverage, so it's not conflicting. And two, you know Solanke is getting steamed into for 27, so you're, ahead, you're, a, you're ahead of the value rise. Agreed. Uh, let's talk about Liverpool 3, Burnley 1. Another defeat for Burnley. They had chances, though. Yeah, and they, they we've said that numerous times with Burnley this season, though. They had chances, but they don't seem to be able to score enough. And uh, look, it's Anfield's Anfield. I think this is one of the most foregone games this season. Am- they Liverpool had moments just, of good chance at the Liverpool start. Liverpool just uh, ruthless the ruthless had a good chance at 2-1. Yeah, I mean, um, we're both on the same pair from Liverpool. Trent, question mark, and Jota. You're looking at Nunes as an addition. I think... Because of uh, the way my setup is, 
I don't think I'd want to add another. I know you're talking about adding Nunez in place of Alvarez, so it's um, a doubler for a doubler. But then it's just the problem for next week, really, isn't it? You'd add a single game week player for next yeah, week. Look, yeah, look, when you're steaming into Liverpool, you need to be aware of the 26 blanks. Yeah, from the I just, I just rather not have it as a problem, so I'm going to leave it be. And I don't want to sell Cole Palmer. I know you talked about it earlier, but I, I want to keep the value that I've got in him. Yeah, get that. I've not had as, as long as for others, but I also mm. feel he's, he's not going to be huge use for me. Cole Palmer looking forward at the future weeks. He's probably a blank in 29 as well, isn't it? Yep. As uh, Newcastle at home, and what's the other Chelsea game? It's obviously I, I don't intend to they, play, they play City, City this week. Oh, yeah, so who have City? they got in twenty-seven? Uh, I, I can find out for you if you could. Such anyway, we'll come back to that. Yes, um, Liverpool for now. Quanza obviously played at the weekend centre back. That's an avoid. Robertson, I think I know a lot of people might be tempted to go Trent to Robertson. I don't hate it, but whether Robertson would play. Saturday, Wednesday, and then the cup final Sunday has got to be doubtful. Joe Gomez obviously done really well at left-back. Joe Gomez can also cover at centre-back. I do think Canato will probably play twice. That minus eight, by the way, I can't get Canato. <laughs> I could get Connor Bradley, which I guess appeals if Trent's unavailable. But it is literally going to be just for one week for me. I'm not sure I want to go down that route. Um, I could just go Trent to Van Dyke. As a, as a one free transfer, that's something I'd possibly consider. Or like you said, just go, yeah, that's a bit complicated now. I'm just going to go into the week with Jota and... It'll be and, what it'll and be. It'll, and it'll be what it'll be, yeah. I, I, I don't... Uh, McAllister played a little bit more in advanced role, um, but I'm not overly keen on that. Curtis Jones, every chance to get him rotated. You can always get someone like Harvey Elliott ends up with minutes. I think it's easy to overlook Gakpo. And obviously, if Salah is back, it just complicates things. Like, actually, ironically, Agreed. if Salah is back, I'm almost definitely not going towards Nunes. Yep. And it wasn't a plan to get Nunes. It's just purely if I sell Trent, and I've got the money spare, that I can work KDB in. But it's going to be effective minus eight just to bring KDB in. But I, I, I think you, I've got to think, am I chasing a bad week? But also, I've seen these hits work for people in double game weeks. Yeah, it's just that... I, I, They've got so much... Uh, and I'd rather be sitting with KDB than Alvarez They've got 26. so many options there. I just think the minutes risk. You, do, you have no idea. If, it, if there was a few injuries, you'd feel maybe confident going into one or two. But they're all available, James. This is the problem. Uh, bar Salah, but he will be partially available for sure. Definitely yeah. for the second game in the double. So, yeah. But we don't know. Possibly, maybe. The, the, the word that Klopp said on Friday was, he said Salah be back in partial training. Partial bits of training. Now, with the games coming up, I wouldn't be surprised if they're just targeting getting him ready for the cup final, you know. Maybe even a sub-appearance with Luton's getting ready for the cup final. You will see the Liverpool team Saturday, and if suddenly it gets leaked that he's in it, then people are going to be very tempted to chop stuff up, aren't they? I could make it work to get him in, <laughs> but I, I, I'm not really interested in doing that. No, nah, I don't think so either. I think uh, it's too, too much of a rush. Gomez and Allison obviously missed out due to illness. I'm sure they'll be available. Just a couple of notes on Burnley. This might be relevant further down the line. Asignon obviously looks like he's got favouritism at right back, who's coming on loan 4.0. And Esteve, who played left-sided centre-backs, also 4.0. I suspect he's probably going to get favouritism now as well. So there's a couple of enablers further down the line, perhaps, for Burnley that might be of interest. That moment is not for now, especially with Arsenal turning up this weekend. 
Luton one, Sheffield United three. Probably the surprise result of the weekend, to be it honest. Probably with you. is, yeah. Um, and the the way in which they just steamed into a lead and seemed to deserve it and dominate, and uh, a bit of a shock, maybe back down to reality for uh, for Luton. They create good chances. They could have got mm. more than the, the three that they got, Sheffield United. What happened? Complacency from Luton? We discussed this on because Dan and Tomo came on COTC last week and we touched on, I spoke about this a bit on Friday as well on, on the Patreon pod, the change of expectation. This is the first time they would have gone to a home game this season I'm really expecting to win. Yep. It's not that fans can't go with confidence, but almost like a you've got to. I said even when they played Burnley in game week seven, at that point, most of us thought Burnley would go there and, and win. And at the time, Burnley did. Now, because of how well they've been playing, four against Newcastle, four against Brighton, and obviously Sheffield United's performance against Villa last week, you think, yeah. well, they could steamroll at them. And that's that's why I got Doughty in. Nine nine key chances created by, by Doughty. Doughty. The most in a Premier League game this season. Yeah, for, doesn't surprise for me. For any player. Yeah, he's, he really is a crossing machine. Um, yes, and a lot of that is obviously through crossing. But no points on it. And you do look at it this week, now that Sheffield United's gone, and think, I don't think there's a clean sheet in there. So no, I, but there's I, an attacking I mean, return at any given cons- time. Say you've got the Trent problem now and you've not got Doughty, would you consider going Doughty? Yes, only because would. Well, there's another double in uh, a few game weeks, James. Yeah, I know. So it does make it quite... Uh, quite straightforward also he's going up in value I don't know what he is now um, I got him at 4 or 5 what did you pick him four, up 4 or 6 I think is he, so he hasn't gone up a second time last week he will again I have no doubt about it yeah he's still sitting at 4 or 6 yeah you're not going to lose value in Doughty no, for sure he's also a headache for you for 26 subject to what else you've got right double double basically I'd go to Doughty but I've yeah I think if you're sitting there with the likes of Palmer Porro with Liverpool players and you want to hold them through, I think it's probably a don't go there. It's a tough double, isn't it? United have kind of found themselves a little bit and then mm. going to Liverpool is, say it's a bonus, it's not, is it? Yeah. It's just I mean, these it are the is, games, though, that Luton can just swing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets an assist in the game week. Yeah, yeah. But is it is it going to be enough worth getting him? Probably, probably not. No. Um, in terms of the lineup, despite losing, I think, again, that's probably their the strongest current lineup. This with Clark and Morris playing behind Adebayo is happening quite a lot. Adebayo feels almost a more reasonable one to get. Like he's yep. another return at the weekend. Ted and Mengi was a sub. He's 3.9. I think he'll come back in for Burke and I think he would be worth getting rather than Amari Bell. Bell doesn't even go up for the corners. For those who got Kabore, you're on a wing and a prayer because Ogbené's been playing quite well at right wing back. So I wouldn't expect him to come back in for those fixtures unless, as Dan had said, unless he wanted to move Ogbeni into the front three. Don't see it. The new signing, they got uh, Hashikoa. I think I pronounced that correct. It was 4.0. Um, Edwards said that he wouldn't use him yet. So probably wouldn't in the double. So look, will Kabore get some minutes in the double? Yeah, sure. I don't think he's going to start. You're probably looking at it being two points, i.e. two, yep. one point as most likely. You might deem that enough. Um, shout out to Edwards as well by the way loved his answer to the question he got on the the Sheffield United penalty Um, because there were two controversial handballs given in the game Edwards was asked what he thought of the Sheffield United penalty and he said listen let's talk about the penalty we got as well don't think either of them are penalties so fair game he didn't say that he could have just come out and said no I don't think it was but he he said no I don't think ours was either for Sheffield United great result 
Um, Mason Holgate's now played in the game of football this year that he's not lost 5-0. Um, they lost Reese Norrington Davis and left wing back five minutes into the game. Max Lowe came on. There was a few surprise selections in the lineup. Uh, ben Osborne was one, perhaps the biggest one being Cameron Archer as well. He did mean a slightly more advanced role for James McAtee. We mentioned regularly on the pod and yeah. obviously took the penalty as well. Now, I would suggest McBurney is probably first choice penalty taker. Well, that's what happened against us. But further down the line, he's 4.4. I think he's the best one at that real, real low. We know yeah, there's ones, yeah, yeah. Garnacho, Barkley, maybe even the Bournemouth lads are a little bit more. But if you need to come right down to that 4.5, I think he's the best one to go for. I imagine Grubic will come back in goal, missed out again because of concussion at the weekend. Um, essentially, I didn't see a lot of the game, but Tomo was quite at pains to say, I mean, he thought they'd get smashed again, in fairness. Yep. So basically, Wilder got his tactics right this time when they got it obviously badly wrong against Aston Villa. So was a back three again, essentially. They've got a few different options. Uh, I know a lot of Sheffield United fans were full of praise of Vinicius Souza, who took his goal very, very well. Um, for Luton, Adebayo, Barkley, and I think... Doughty slash Mengi, subject to where you are on value, would be the best ones across the board. If you want to go Kaminsky, it's obviously a reasonable one. The beauty we're going to keeper is it's an extra player who blanks that you can bench in 26 yeah. if you get him for a Dubravka to sit with an Areola, yeah. for yeah, example. Yeah. So, yeah, I think for Luton, Kaminsky, Mengi, Doughty, Barkley, Adebayo are the ones I'd consider. Even though Morris would be on the pens, I know he scored again, I'd go Adebayo over Morris, I think, at the moment. I think it's more chance of Morris missing a game. I agree with you. And Sheffield United is the hunting ground for cheap bargains, really. 4.4 McAtee, 4.3 Archer. It's really, if you've got no Archer. money, <laughs> that's where you with Archer, up, I mean, right? he took his goal really well, but he missed an absolute sitter before that. Yeah. Osula can obviously come into the team. McBurney can come into the team. Um, ben Brereton-Diaz missed out tight hamstring. And interestingly, he was at Nottingham Forest on Saturday. Oh, okay. Which is quite interesting. Aren't Sheffield United trying to chase Nottingham Forest? I have no idea, James. Uh, I don't know how that would have gone down. Anyway. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, Spurs 2, Brighton 1. Can you Spurs? Stay till the end. <laughs> I mean, yes, so Listen, my games have last-minute goals in them every week, so of course I stay you till need the end. To, yeah, can't guarantee which way, but this time it was uh, in favour of you, and uh, you come away with a two-one win. So third, what? third, third injury time winner in home games this year. And when I say injury time, that was plus. ninety-six. Yeah, yeah. Matip's own goal plus. was similar, and Kulazewski was what hundred yeah. against Sheffield United. That's so I mean, crazy. they really are. Late, late. Yeah, you, you definitely can't argue with your season ticket price. You're getting your money's worth, James. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> after the last few years. And yeah. what a goal that second goal is, which, when you break it down, kind of epitomises how this game went. Because Tottenham play out from the back, Zubwana do, and Madison drops deep. And if you watch it back, the player that's following him is Jan-Paul Van Heck, who's the right-sided centre-back for Brighton. They played a back four at the weekend. 
Um, after the ball goes into Madison, Van Heck gets drawn because uh, Richarlison's dropped short into a zone similar with Sun. Obviously, Richarlison stayed as the nine. Who's following Richarlison? It's Lewis Dunk, the other centre-back. Van Heck very briefly gets drawn towards Richarlison rather than to the ball to Madison. By the time he's going back, Madison's thread the ball into Richarlison and now suddenly Tottenham have got a four on three running at Brighton's back line. But not only is it a four versus three, it's a four versus three and none of Brighton's three are any of their centre-backs. <laughs> that late in the game at 1-1. One, one. And that's not a criticism of Brighton because a lot of what they did man-to-man in the game worked really well. There was a moment in the first half, Serge, and I kid you not this happened, where Tottenham had the ball and Brighton's most advanced player was Van Heck. Mad. Because he's gone to Madison. His job was getting to Madison all the time, go so yeah, man yeah. to man. And two of Tottenham's furthest forward players, Benson Cora disappeared from the sixth position and Porro disappeared from right back to go and play up with Richarlison. And the two players that went back with those two players, respectively, were Matoma and Welbeck. They looked like holding midfield players in that moment. That's not to say those two players weren't a threat. Welbeck very nearly scored in the game. Mitoma, oh Back my With a bang from God, Japan. Surge. He made me laugh, he, a laugh at one point. He had a point in the second half where he done Porro inside out and Van der Ven came across. And you know when Van der Ven comes across, you think, oh, you're done, mate, because he's so quick and stuff. He see him coming, waited for him to come, and just went boop through his legs, gone. And skinned him. Oh, my days. <laughs> if Tottenham just bought Matoma in the summer and used all their budget on that... <laughs> You'd I, be happy. I, I can't think... I've said this a few times. People say, oh, who'd be perfect for Angie's system? Get me Caro Matoma. What a... Considering he ain't played in the Premier League for like but two it's months been ages. as well. He's been out, yeah. And off the ball, he tracked Porro all through the game. So I know there's a lot of, oh, Porro's expected goal involvement was shit at the week. A lot of that is because Matoma's going and following him and doing brilliant defensive work as well. So I thought he was, he was excellent. His first touch is good. When he runs it, yeah, he's got this kind of almost, I don't want to say language style about him, but he just he's in control. And it's like he can flick a switch and he's, he's gone at so much After speed. Burners. Yeah, he's rapid. Whoa, they have a very a good run for the next four. Sheffield they United, do. Everton, Fulham, Forest. I don't know how many will and won't look at them because they haven't got, obviously, a double in there. So you're prioritising maybe the likes of Bournemouth or a second Luton over the likes of Brighton. Um, but they do play in 26. Obviously, that it's not one of the four blanking teams. And um, maybe they will get people through. The game week 29 fixture, you've got to assume, is probably and not going to happen. Right. It's good, right? Sheffield United away, Everton at home. But guess what? Those fixtures might be a problem for them. Low blocks. Yeah, low blocks. Now, they did win 5-2 at Sheffield United in the Cup very recently. But that also means Sheffield United have had an opportunity to look at them. That yeah. said, system-wise, probably going to be different because they played a back three recently and they moved to a back four. So uh, Tarek Lamptey played right back. Stupanan played left back. Um, Joel Veltman's fit, so that gives them another option at right back as well. Jack Hinsherwood, um, Deserby's assistant manager, uh, said that he wasn't raced. There, are, there have been some reports that it could be a bad injury and he's been really good for them, Jack Hinsherwood. I also think they've left themselves a little bit light in midfield. Like, I think it's clear that Gross and Gilmore are the best two for them. Some of Gilmore's distribution, by the way, between lines, 
really, really good. Gross was his normal creative menace and obviously took the pens with João Pedro injured. So I see a lot of people saying, oh, bench Gross again. Actually, other than the pen, there wasn't too much creativity from him in the game. But he'll probably be on them while João Pedro's out injured. But I, I, I worry about the depth again for them there once the European games start up, which is obviously between 27 and 28. I think you're right, Serge. I think they'll largely be ignored because they don't, they don't have any doubles coming up. And the 29 fixture is obviously the least likely, basically, of all the games to happen because they're due to play Manchester City, exactly, right? Exactly, yeah. And so, Spurs, same thing. No buy territory because of the blank next week. No, but the difference with Tottenham is, obviously... They do play, do in, play 29. in 29. Um, to buy blank, after 26, though. Blank for Richarlison. Um, didn't really... It was working off scraps in the in the second half. He did a lot of coming towards the ball, allowed that second goal to try mm. and create space for others. Look, the equalising goal, Saar tries to find him and he'd have a tap-in if it goes to him. Saar obviously ends up scoring. Played fine. Um, I think Sun being back had more of an impact on Werner. This was Werner's poorest game for Tottenham so far. So I feel like that's the easiest change next week will be Sun in for Werner rather than Sun in for Richardson. Not that Werner was terrible, by the way. Just actually, he'd done really well in his first few. Was a bit quieter in this one. I think going against Lamps, he was like, I'm not doing this kid for pace because he's rapid, rapid, isn't he? So, yeah, please. I think a draw probably would have been a fair result. Um, could have gone either way. Brighton were a better team in the first half. The first 20, 25 minutes of the second half, we were exceptional. And actually, Ange made a substitution that did my nutting. Because in the first 15 minutes of the second half, Kulazewski had his Stupinan on strings. He had him all over the place. He turned him inside out. Kulazewski has this sometimes. I don't know why it happens. But he can have these really quiet first halves. You think he's not in it, he's not in it. And the second half starts bang he's on it and it's like he's he's not just running at people and he's crossing it's like he's he's like he's running a football match from out wide suddenly he was having his best period for us in ages we equalized and Ange took him off and I was not happy at all and it impacted the team negatively quite badly for a little while that it took us a while to recover and we went from a control phase where it looked like Brighton were then going to win the game now of course who replaced Decky Brennan Johnson we lost our control. What's the one thing I've been really praising of Brennan Johnson, though? Oh, his, his work rate. Not so much Take that. It's his finishing. Yeah. When his he, when, the, the one thing I do like about him, and I've said this, I can't think that he's had many big ch- chances for Tottenham and missed. He's just not really been having them. That there where it comes across the box, it looks easy, but watch back. And it's the same for the Brentford goal, which is very similar a couple of weeks ago. His timing and his execution of the run and his calmness when he gets there is like he's cold. He's a killer. Really good in terms of his finishing. There's not a lot else I like about his play at the moment. But given the chance in front of goal, it looks like he'll finish. That in itself, will at points make him a good fantasy asset, I think, at points in the future. That moment is not now. Nah. Wolves nil, Brentford two. Uh, by all intents and purposes, this is a... Smash and grab on paper, mate. 71% possession for Wolves. 17 shots, uh, five shots on target. Um, but half the XG of Brentford. And uh, Brentford still come away with more shots on target despite 29% of the ball and 2-0 victory as well. Yeah. Wolves are going to be a bit upset. Gary O'Neill said that if he'd been told before the game that he knew Brentford was going to win, he said it would have been exactly like that. Yeah. Um, he, wasn't, he wasn't shy about... 
calling them out for their time wasting and stuff like that. The dark arts, if you will. They're good at it, Brentford. Yeah. I saw it first and a couple of weeks ago. Like They're almost the worst team to go behind against. Yeah. Um, obviously, going behind against City is worse, but I think y- you get what I'm saying. They are a nightmare because they're really good at just making the game difficult for you. Although, like I said, it's the kind of reverse one where like City kill you where they quieten the crowd. Brentford almost get the crowd pumped because they annoyed yeah. annoy the crowd annoy so much um, but they've ended up obviously winning this fairly comfortably in the end Wolves obviously not helped by losing Cunha who's been in fantastic form hamstring injuries so you'd have to presume that he's going to be out for a while and Huang missed this weekend whereas Sun was back Wolves couldn't use Huang I don't know if the intention was to start him but apparently after training on Friday he went to the physios and complained of a bit of a calf issue and they said no we're not taking a risk with you. This well, hopefully week. he'll be back next week, though. Well, O'Neill said he thought he would be. Yeah, and uh, so, that's a big deal. But it was Cunha and Huang playing well together. Suddenly, he'll he'll become interesting. Look, they're coming to my team at the weekend. It's obviously going to be a challenge. And Cunha's direct running will be a real big miss, actually, particularly against my team. But Sheffield United at home the week after. And you know there's people walking into that week and going to have players who've got blanks and going, right, who's best fixture? Wolves. So there'll be quite a bit of interest for 26. I'll obviously report on what I see over at the weekend, but I don't, you obviously can't compare Tottenham away and, and Sheffield United at home in terms of fixtures. I think I mentioned Tommy Doyle a little bit recently. Jao Gomez yep. has started the last couple, so he's obviously going to be back in the team now. Eight Nori, I think, is the most interesting one. If you want to look for a defender, maybe next week. Again, I'll get to see his position at the weekend, but I, I do think it'll, the two games will be very, very different. Neto, I think, by the way... Might be a dangerous one to bench this week. Because if anything's to go by with what they've done with him in some of their more difficult games recently, I think he'll play right through the middle. Um, and that means that he'll be in position to take advantage of the inevitable chances that Wolves will have because everybody will have chances against my team because everybody does. They won't want to give him the responsibility, I don't think, of tracking Udogi or Poro. Yep. So I think, like they did at Brighton, I think they'll play him right up front. It might be, might be a difficult one to bench for those who've got this week. Uh, for Brentford, Ivan oh, Tony back on the score sheet again. What a finish that is for the second He's goal. Gonna... So understated, but you can easily hit it too much into the ground or blaze it over again. It, it, a little bit like Johnson, he just kind of ice cold veins himself and mm. just just strokes it in. Yeah, it's Liverpool City next too. So. And Solanke's higher priority for most people but to if, get for the double. But almost, if Tony didn't get an attacking return, you'd almost be surprised. Yeah. Any game, any time with Ivan. Absolutely. Yep. And he's obviously going to be really popular going into 29. It's worth saying, it's not just 25 that's tough for Brentford. It's the fixtures afterwards. It's like, it's like looking at things. like I, I look at 28 and I think, what if I did get Tony as part of my plans? And then say I land at 28 and I've got like Tony Watkins Holland up front. Now I'm obviously going to want Tony at 29. I'm not selling him. But I'm also looking at Tony away to Arsenal and I think, oh, how much do I, I want that? Like, their fixtures are tough right up to then. Now, he has historically proven that he can return in these fixtures and Brentford historically have proven they can get results against some of the best teams in this league. West Ham away now looks a better fixture with respect in 26. And there's that that makes me think about the defensive options. I think Reguilon obviously having assisted at the weekend and by virtue of being wing back yep. will be the attractive one at 4.4 4. 
Ross, good price, 4-4. Yeah, and Mads Roslev is the same price. There is speculation, and we might get an update on this this week. There is speculation that Aaron Hickey might have had a setback. Now, if he has, that means he probably stays in the team. Reguilón is more likely to stay in. I, I, and I'll tell you why. It's just purely because now that they're getting players back fit, he might, particularly, say, for a game like West Ham away, where they'll have a lot more of the ball, he might go 4-3-3. He might decide to go, well, I've got Visser back. I'll put Visser back in. Also, the expectation is that Bumo might be back in early March. Now, right. suddenly, if you've got Visser, Bumo, Morpé, Lewis Potter, Tony, you've got options there. Yep. Whereas I feel like because they've gone through this period of Joss, Tony and um, Morpé, they've kind of really been forced into this. Visser will obviously be back next week. I imagine it will still be a back three for City and Liverpool and they won't rush him in. But for West Ham, it might change. Then they could always use someone like Christopher Auger, perhaps, at right back if he's going to be available. So I think Reguilón over Roslev, yes. I also reflect, though, on Brentford had double game week, similar period this time last year, if you remember. And, and I reflect on my annoyance then because I'd gone with Henry. Henry's obviously out for the season. But reflecting on my annoyance with that, I really like Rico Henry as a footballer. I've said that a number of times. And that he's been a big miss for Brentford this year. But the big reflection afterwards was, if you get to a double and you're going with a, with a defensive player and they're like a Brentford or an Everton, you know they've got them big physical threats from set pieces, go with one of the centre-backs. Do you think so? Yeah. But the difference with this is, is Reguilón's on some of them set pieces. Right. I would in this situation I'd still go Reguilón because he's got a bit more of a historical record with assists and getting forward and what have you. Rico Henry, whilst he gets forward, I don't know what his stats and numbers are like. It doesn't feel like all fart, he's no often, poo. And I, sus- yeah, I suspect Reguilón. I suspect Reguilón will be the same. Yeah, but I think uh, he'll be. He, it feels like he's more um, offensive than Rico Henry in terms of his stats. But um, I couldn't tell you for sure. That's just a, a, a gut feel. I think. I, I know what you're saying, like a, a Ben Mee or whoever's uh, going to be one of the centre-backs to go for. Pinnock. His concentration is his biggest flaw. Right. He switches off positionally so bad. Mm. When, obviously, City played Brentford the other week, they'd obviously used Bernardo on the right, I think, for control purposes. Foden played on the right at the weekend. I'm trying to think of which City players, if City want to get over the top of him who would be the most city pl- um, which player would be most beneficial if they want to play diagonals over the top of him and they might do it more in a home game than an away game just because they want to play at a faster tempo than rather their control away from home and I wonder if that means Foden will play on the right against Brentford which makes him less interesting but he can also damage Reguilón and you've seen that even on Foden's second goal in the game last Monday where he's basically played on the left but he was allowed to go where he wants he runs inside Reguilón that's a perfect example of Reguilón's concentration he's so poor he loses himself but that doesn't particularly matter from fantasy fantasy. it might matter in terms of Brentford's clean sheet potential so Morpé I think is an avoid Um, he's obviously done really well recently actually and he's dirt cheap for this week I think it'd be fine but I think afterwards like I said when they change it Viss might be that this is going to eat some of the minutes, certainly. I agree. And if Bumo's back, if you're looking for him to carry you to 29, Bumo might be back before that point as well. Yeah, you'd be a bit nervous about it, I think. Okay. Uh, Nottingham Forest 2, Newcastle 3. 
they managed to get over the line in the end, did Newcastle. But um, I know for us, one thing that definitely stands out from since Nuno's taken over is goals, man. They scored another couple here again. Can't seem to keep them out of the other end. Um, but of course, they've got players all coming back now from AFCON and what have you with uh, Mangala and whatever else. So the game, the game wasn't as good no. as the scoreline might suggest. No, um, it was quite, it was quite strange how it ended up two two by half time actually. Um, on Forest, I don't suppose anyone's particularly looking at the moment. Nia Katty came back in at right sided centre back. They'll benefit from having the players back from AFCON now. Mm. So Bolly Sangari. Aina, Mangala's gone. Oh, is he gone? Went to Leon. Obviously, okay. Serge Aurea went to Galatasaray. But Boli, Sangari and Aina will come back. Will obviously just boost them in terms of numbers. This front four, I think, is going to play the majority of the games. We're saying... It's stuck for a couple of games now, it feels like. I really like... Yeah, I really like the second goal. Um, great weight of pass from Gibbs White and brilliant run from Alanga, which exposed the weakness in Dan Byrne. I'll come back on to him in a minute, Dan Byrne. Please don't let me forget. Um, Awanyi playing through the middle, I think, will stick now as well. They might become of interest if they play in 29. The problem is, though, obviously, if Luton double in 28 and play Forest in 29, Luton, the focus is going to be so much of Luton. Yeah, if you yeah. get any Forest, it's going to be conflicting for you. But you might land there, particularly for free hitters. Like you've seen what Sheffield United have done at Luton. Yeah. You know, someone like an Abu Yi in 29 is not going to be, yeah, not going to be a terrible punt, maybe. Um, but what was more interesting on this was was Newcastle. Um, on Dan Byrne, many of us thought that Livramento would obviously play at, at left back. We'd seen um, Ogbené really damage Byrne, and uh, Elanga had given Byrne a lot of problem when the two teams met at St James's on Boxing Day as well. And I think people saw the team, and it was, oh, why is why is Byrne playing again? And actually became quite apparent quite quickly why, actually. And it's to do with Kieran Trippier. And I don't know if this has been happening for a little while because I've not seen a huge amount of Newcastle games recently. But Kieran Trippier was giving it, on occasion, the Trent. Right. The moving into midfield. So at that point, you've obviously basically got a back three for Newcastle in build-up. We haven't seen too much of this. So obviously then, Burn is a left-sided centre-back rather than Livramento as a left-sided centre-back. Makes more sense. It does. As a back three, yeah. It does, yeah. And I, I'm trying to wonder out why this might might have happened or been happening or if it will continue. One is in terms of trips, does that make him a better or worse FPL asset? I'd arguably argue worse because I think he can do less damage from sanctuaries because his delivery from the right and the timing of his runs on the outside is so perfect. But he's obviously got an assist at the weekend, but it's from a set play. Yeah. Right. I was wondering why now? Why have Newcastle decided to do it now? So it's possible protection because they've seen too many goals, as seen against the Luton game. Perhaps his concern about him as well, getting isolated 1v1 in wide areas, and you just set up is to protect him midfield a little bit better. And also, it's got Bruno in some more advanced areas. Um, the goals largely probably ignore, actually, because I think he could have still got them two goals that he got at the weekend from a deeper role. The first is obviously from a set play. He's planned. He runs around the back. Eddie Howe teams have always been good in terms of their variation on yep. set plays. And the second goal, he obviously anticipates something. Watch out for the Dan Byrne block when you watch it back, by the way, which Livramento probably wouldn't have done. It possibly won Newcastle away the game. And he finishes well. Sells arguably should save it, but let's be honest, Matt Turner wouldn't have saved it anyway. 
So the fact he scored twice, I don't think is impacted by his position. But he certainly, he basically played more like a 10. So what they did when Trippier moved in, basically on, as a flat start, they had Gamera central, uh, Longstaff to the right, Miley to the left. Miley sat a bit deeper off, played with Trippier. And Longstaff played in front and then Gimerez kind of left half space, that kind of box shape that we've seen Liverpool and others use. And I wondered if it was, it was part designed to, for them to learn how to play without him as well, as in Gimerez. He was on nine yellows. Right. And they're light of players in that midfield area. And I wonder if it's part of that, to have, because he's such an influence, to have them to, to know what it will look like in terms of your build-up play without him. So I don't know if it will stick. And in terms of Gimerez, you're certainly not buying because he is on the two yellows. Gordon already mentioned earlier on, Eddie Howe didn't actually say that he was injured. I think we all read between the lines, he'll be back sooner rather than later. That was basically saying he was injured, but he didn't actually say it. And it was obviously reported incorrectly. Jacob Murphy got an injury in the warm-up, which I presume was after Eddie Howard named Anthony Gordon in the team as well, where Howe said it basically made um, Murphy unusable. He also said after the game that Callum Wilson had a problem with his arm. He was holding his arm late on, but it felt like more of a, a muscle problem. Um, decent fixture for Newcastle again this week, Bournemouth at home. But then if you're looking at them, Arsenal weighing 26 looks ugly. And they probably won't play in 29 either. So you're probably largely going to overlook Newcastle at the moment. Those who sold Gordon will be pretty annoyed. But you haven't missed much, ironically. No. Luckily. Uh, let's move to Sunday, James. West Ham nil, Arsenal 6. I can't even laugh, right? It's, it was, it was uh, pretty painful. I mean, the first, if you look at the first half an hour, you kind of feel like this is how you expect the game to have been. Arsenal dominate, West Ham dig in and basically ride your luck but that's the problem with situations like that you blink 10 minutes and it's 4-0 and it's it's been uh, about to happen for a while I think that period from when Saliba scores to half time to, to go from nothing to 4-0 was uh, it killed the game the game was, was done and dusted you don't even feel like it's no worth shit. trying to come back because there's, there's games we've been 3-0 down against the likes of you Mate, that early uh, do, and come do, back. The only right? thing you're doing... But there was just no feeling that it doesn't matter what you do, there's no way of coming back. Listen, at that point at half-time, she's already seen your wife runs, mate. All you're trying to do in the second half is make sure she don't see everything yeah, else. True. Especially in the cold in February, right? Although it's been quite mild at the moment. Mate, not good, sorry. No, <laughs> not good. There's nothing to... That, I think that's the other thing with uh, Arsenal, like take Arsenal 6-0 with a pinch of salt on Arsenal's side. Like, they've battered a very, very bad West Ham side. I don't think it's going to be as easy week in, week out. You're minus goal difference now. I mean, you've lost 9-0 over the last two, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. It's been pretty bad. Goals are leaking left, right and centre. And you first choice centre-backs are back. Yeah, That's I mean, first choice been defense. back, isn't he? So, there isn't an excuse there, <laughs> is it? That's a first cho- choice defence. Obviously, prior to the goal, obviously, um, Trossard had the effort that Ariola pulled off an amazing save. And what's it like? All I was thinking up until I switched off at one nil. Why did you switch off at one nil? Because I knew what was happening. I knew what was going to happen. I give it till three nil, uh, and then that's enough for me. My, my, and then my son wanted to watch something on TV, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Watch what you want to watch on TV because this is going to be a nightmare. Uh-huh. Um, I would say that Ariola has been hammer of the year so far. I think most West Ham fans would have to agree that Ariola has been a hammer of the year. Because the amount of times he saved us, and yet, you just mentioned, still a negative goal difference. Um, 
absolute avoid everywhere in that team. If you even if you own assets, it's going to be very difficult to sell a Bowen um, or people that may have a Kudus. Um, I'm grateful that my only West Ham asset is Thomas Socek, so he's basically bench fodder for me. But the first opportunity I get to move him on, if I can, uh, I definitely will be. Like, he might be my make weight to get Marcus Tavernier, for example, in 26 or 27. Are you referring to Socek? Socek, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's a 0.7 difference. I'll be able to find that much. But you're money not from playing him much anyway, right? And he might no. be useful in 29. No, but I, yeah, but I think the upside of uh, maybe a Tavernier over the double and the fixtures that they've got. But then it's not a double, but if you get a 28, Bournemouth have got two fixtures, but it's in one week and then none, whereas you've got well, we Suchek over about, 28 and 29. Yeah, maybe, but I'll, I'll see how I'm feeling closer to the time. He's not going to return in any case, right? So West Ham particularly bad at the moment. They're, avoid is the only word you can use with them. Okay. Avoid. This This will be stubborn. And listen, if I could rewind and know that Arsenal was going to win 6-0, obviously I wouldn't have sold Saka and I would have sold Bowen yeah. instead. But Look, And we both benched Gabriel. You might have noticed in terms of what I was thinking in terms of some transfer options. I'll tell you one that isn't an option for me right now and it's selling Bowen. Those fixtures coming up, I'm sorry, are brilliant. Forest away, Brentford at home, Everton away, Burnley at home, Villa at home. He ain't going anywhere for me, Jared Bowen. Sorry. And they, they, I, think, they, they, I think we could lose all of them. Yeah, but I think there's things that could so maybe change. Maybe I'm uh, a bit in a negative mindset. This with Johnson, I mean, he moved to the left and Kudos why, played on why, the right. Why? Well, because Kudos is better from the right than the left, isn't it? Sure. Uh, I That's don't, it. Uh, You're trying to get more out of Kudos. Just, it's like he's throwing a lot of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Okay. It's basically so what he's doing. Some of the shit that hits the wall and sticks might be better is, is Paqueta being back possibly next week. Because you'll just look devoid of creativity without yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he will make a difference, mate. Of course he will. And Antonio, he's back in training. And will he probably, probably won't start next week. But he'll, he'll, every chance Brentford, I think, in two weeks, possibly will start. Now, that's going to mean a deeper role maybe for Bowen. But I don't think right or up front, I don't think it's had a huge impact on him. We've even seen him play up front and move to the right late in games and get Still returns return. from the right, right? Yep. I think Wolves at home is a good example of that, for example. So, no, Bowen's not going anywhere. And I told you before this week, my plan's actually to add kudos in 26 as well. So this is what we You're a do. brave man. You're, I'm not saying I'm definitely going to do that. But I think in terms of timing-wise, if I'm heading towards 29, yeah, I, I might come back for it. The, they've got to be motivated to recover from that, right? Oh, of course. What happened after you lost 5-0 at Fulham? Uh, we won. We beat, beat Wolves, Man United. Wolves, then Man United, and then Arsenal. And two clean sheets. And then Arsenal. Three clean sheets. Yes. And Brighton was so, uh, Brighton was after that as well. No. I think there's probably a question to ask of why that's now happened a couple of times where you've got absolutely slapped. Mentality, um, James. It's not, it's not footballing, but it's maybe, all mentality. But then also, like I said, it's worth saying you've recovered well the last couple of times. Yeah. So for me, Bowen's not going anywhere. I realise there'll be people want to jettison him out this week. And I get it. You know, if you're going from a Bowen to a Jota this week, of course, absolutely get it and stuff. But no, he's sticking for me. And like I said, I might even add a, another one once we get to 26. Um, however, as shit as you were, mate, we shouldn't overlook how good um, the opposition were for the 35, 40-odd minutes that I watched of this game. And I suspect looking at the, um, the statistics, it only got more damning the longer the game went on. Odegaard, over 100 passes completed and like 10 chances created or something absurd. Dominant. Um, 
Arsenal did something a bit different than this. And to be honest, Arteta deserves credit because he got his tactics absolutely right against Liverpool. And he did with this one as well. So without Zinchenko, it's obviously uncomfortable for Kivior to move into the midfield area. Uh, uncomfortable might be harsh. Let's just say it's not to be done in, in the same way. And I've long said to Clayton, why don't you just move Ben White into midfield and just do it the other way? And on this occasion, it happened, but the timing of it was quite important. So what Arsenal did quite a lot was it dropped Odegaard in with Rice really deep and it dragged people out and then suddenly he'd disappear and then White would be joining Rice in there. And then Odegaard and Saka were having this beautiful little link on the right-hand side and basically just open you, opening you up at will. And opening you up at will is tough, actually. To do what Arsenal did yesterday... It's tough. Not many teams do that against you. Look at how you defended at my place in December, right? It's not the first time we've seen something like yeah. that. So, really cute tactically. I think also, obviously, with Trossard playing as the nine, he obviously wants to go and float into dangerous areas as well. Link perhaps more with Martinelli, that side. Vacate the space and it allowed Havertz to obviously arrive in, at, at the right time in the middle as well. So, a very different setup from Arsenal, from the Liverpool game to this game. And we would expect a different setup, but also not just normal Arsenal. Something a bit different. Um, that might be something to keep more of an eye on in terms of Ben White. I think one of the things they might not like about that longer term is if to play up against a team that has a dangerous left winger, someone not called Ben Johnson, for example, Ooh. that I think they, they would rather Gabriel gets drawn out wide to, say, their left-hand side rather than Saliba to the right. Keeping Saliba against a real strong opponent, central, in terms of transition, I think is more important. They were happy to leave Gabriel with... with it was too Bowen. easy a game for them. Too yeah, easy a game. To be honest. I think you're going to get a bit of rotation in terms of the forward areas. And def- well, to be honest, the whole team now with, with Arsenal. Obviously, Champions League will start up for them soon as well. The majority of the squad is fit. Um, they're in a strong position. And for those who said they've got no chance of the title, I mean, to win the two games in the manner that they have the last two weeks, you'd have to say, yes, they're in it. And from an FPL perspective, these fixtures are great, Serge. So... What I can definitely say to you is, despite it being a double game week, it's no effing way that Gabriel's getting benched this week away to Burnley. Newcastle at home, Sheffield United away, Brentford at home. It's great four fixtures. It is. And it might even be that my choice this week, if I decide to bin Trent, it's just to go, nah, sod this. I'll join Clayton and go double defensive. That, he's might, triple. that might be my choice. Just saying, he's triple defensive. He's triple, but he ain't got Saka, so you nah, win some, you lose some. Fair play. I never wanted to sell Saka. I put my hands up and say, this is what happens when you get sucked into a certain strategy. Yeah, yeah. Fixtures I knew, and planning this and is all something this. to bear in mind. Saka's outscored Bowen by, uh, what, 13 points this week. 15 pointer for Saka, two pointer for two Bowen. Two for Bowen. But selling Bowen this week, rather than Saka, possibly would have cost me probably at least, I think, eight points further down the line. Mm. So, although I've lost out by 13 points, I've still lost out but have not lost out as bad as it sounds because, as I said, my intention is, and maybe I'll face more pain for it, I'm not selling Jared Bowen with them West Ham fixtures, knowing that Pakatar's close, Antonio will be back, and he'll cover through nicely for me, Jared Bowen. And he's still tallies, man. Uh, yeah, everything you said makes perfect sense. Do I wish I was sitting there? Well, you Sa- watch- do, I, do I wish I was had Saka sitting there rather than Bowen now? Yes, yes of, course. of course you do. And Saka at Burnley, you just think, oh, no. And to be honest, them fixtures, you think there could be more. But I had a real look at Saka before I, I sold him, and I know his underlines have been on the rise recently. But do you know what I even thought, Serge? So he's returned well in the last two. This might even be a good time to jump off. Do you know what I mean? Rather than 
people do it like people a lot of us catching him against Palace there's loads of people sold him after that blank against Palace that's only three games ago where they won 5-0 when he didn't look like he was going to return so yeah I'll have to wait and see what happens with my returning to Arsenal to be honest with you uh, it'll be a 26 question when I'm selling I've got Jota and Trent to get rid of in 26 so it could easily be Saliba and Saka but I'm only causing myself a problem for 29 if I buy those two so I'll have to wait and see how much do I factor in That's it. I could go, 29 I could players. Go Jota to Saka in 26 but going kudos seems more fun okay someone <laughs> sack me <laughs> <laughs> Aston Villa 1 Manchester United 2 if you go off XG James uh, possibly one of the most entertaining games of the weekend 2.4 versus 1.79 40 shots in the game was it that many between the two good game really enjoyable 23 for Aston Villa 17 for Manchester United um, and they'll be super happy to come away with a victory um, Scott McTominay beast mate <laughs> How many goals this season? Uh, he's up to double digits in all competitions. I'm he's sure up to now about seven or something. And that's in the league. It's crazy. The thing is, I think Ten Hag worked this out with McTominay a long time ago. Don't use him in a build-up or anything. Can he be a, a like a, a penalty area crasher? Yeah, he's just the. Yeah. He's just the. I don't know. Is he a shit Thomas Sochek or a better Thomas Sochek? I think I saw a stat, and I might have this wrong. Penalty box merchant. No, his goals have been worth more points than any other player possibly. For Manchester United. No, I think in the league. Okay, maybe. like late like winners. Like his actual direct goals. Yeah, yeah. That feels that can't be right. Maybe it's of midfielders or something. Um, they might be discounting the likes of Salah on that. The number of times he scored late goals for Man United, it wouldn't surprise me if that stat was correct. Maybe it's injury time goals counted, but possibly that injury time goals counted to the most points. Maybe um, he's been much maligned. I thought Maguire was excellent, by the way. It was really good. It looked like. I'm happy to say it because I don't think it's a one-off now. When I've watched Harry Maguire over the last few months, I think all the way back to the Fulham game. Remember when he had that clash of heads early in the game? He probably should have gone off. Like every time I've watched him since now, he's been pretty good. Yep. So I think he's in he's in good form. Um, I think he has a leadership element to that at the back. I'm not saying he should be in United's best team. Look, Martinez is out for a couple of months. But I think he's he's doing well. He's dirt cheap in FPL. 4-4, four, 4-5, four, four, no. 4-2. Whoa, I didn't expect he to come out with that. 4-2. The only thing with that is, because I'm, I'm looking at United defender possibly for 26, and that might change now because of the Trent injury. But if I'd, if I'd have looked in a plan, you said these have to be your transfers for the next five weeks before this weekend happened. One of them would have been Trent to Dallow in 26. And the reason for Dallow would be, you want to have a guess? Plays in 29? No, you well, no, he doesn't play. In he 29. doesn't because we're still. This, this, this is where Forest. my brain can get a bit complex. And you, shouldn't, you shouldn't necessarily listen to me. Okay, go this, on. This is because in twenty nine, the only game I wouldn't have coverage for if it happened is Manchester United against Sheffield United. And my thinking you need is Forest to beat him for that. Yeah, I know, but it would cover me off of say Doughty then not playing. Right? Think about it. So you're hedging your bets so as opposed to going all in. So this is the thing. Luton Forest, right, is the most likely additional game into 29. We Correct. have three games we know currently. Luton Forest is the less most likely. Full Be careful. Tottenham. There's a lot of people assuming that game's going to happen. It's probably only about a 60% probability okay. that it happens. Remember, if it doesn't happen, Manchester United and Sheffield United, uh, Sheffield United there's every chance it does happen instead. But what it meant was, if I went with Dallow, if there was any additional fixture, no matter what it was, I had an additional player that was going to save me a hit going into 29 because I'd have one player from the fixture. 
And that's why I was looking at it. And you say, well, why Dallow over Maguire? Well, think about it. If I'm selling Trent, I'm not going to worry about Maguire's 4.2. I've got money coming out of my ears and I'm talking about pe- buying people We've got like two million Kudos, in the bank. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So that was, that's why. So I think if you're heading towards 29, a lot of the value of these players is almost uh, irrelevant. Like it's almost, can you afford them or not? Unless so, you're trying to get back Salah, if you're really desperate to get yes, him Yes, I in, get that. But if, that if you've made a, a commitment, on. say you're making these transfers in 26, and if Salah does blank in 29, and he's got City in 28, people probably aren't forcing it. Yep. You'd argue Forrest in 27 against a real low block, and it definitely will be against Forrest. Then how, how much do you even want him for that? So if you're not going down that route where you're forcing the likes of him back in, and you've got so many enabling players, and you've now started heading towards... Bournemouth assets, for example, then deciding between Adalo and Maguire is not money orientated, is it? It's just which one can I afford? Obviously, down to understanding if you're wild card and afterwards. For me, my intention currently is to wild card straight after the blank of 29. And therefore, the value of going, well, Adalo over Maguire, it won't matter. No. Even, to, even, even looking further, oh, I want to get Sun in, for example. Like, it's not going to. Be a problem. It's not going to be a problem because that'll probably be for like a Foden or a Jota. So the money wouldn't necessarily be needed. So, but I think um, Maguire and Dallow are interesting. Obviously, Lindelof came on for sure at left back, and unfortunately, I presume that's another injury issue for sure. Varane, I probably wouldn't go near. That attacking, if we can call them attacking six now, not that we really certainly don't define Casemiro and Mino especially as that, sticks now, I think. And Garnacho again to contradict myself on the value but going Garnacho rather than a Rashford might be important in terms of money and that's a great pickup if someone wants to go down that route I think he's beginning to look more and more dangerous I was a little bit concerned that if he went to the right his output might be on the wane but actually what it's enabled is he's drifting into some of these areas a little bit more and because Rashford wants to hold the touchline on the left and so actually I think Garnacho would be the one to get offensive if you want to get um, message for Gareth Southgate, by the way. Kobe Mino and next England squad, please get him in it. Uh, really good. Message for uh, Gary Robinson, who is our Manchester United correspondent. Uh, <laughs> Stop from, criticizing from somebody Ron Mukherjee, uh, because that's one of the questions that we've had in on Twitter that I thought I would make a public service announcement for. Uh, And he does say, can you ask Gary Robinson what it will take for him to stop criticising McTominay Uh, and Maguire? Gary Robinson. They've been better better than most of our players this season. Gary Robinson will be on Clash of Correspondents next week with Dara Curry ahead of Manchester United Fulham. So we will talk more Manchester United with him next week. On Villa, I think losing was harsh. Is the first important thing to say. I also think that United, United previously, once Douglas Louise equalised, United would normally buckle, and they didn't actually. They still had their own good chances, um, but I do think it was harsh that Villa lost the game. The big thing out of this is Kamara's injury. Yeah, so the way they did the subs was a bit funny because then the Abbey comes on for Kamara. But then Tielemans came on for Bailey. Like Diaby is a more direct swap for yeah, Bailey, I and think maybe Tielemans was getting ready anyway. There was like five minutes between them. I'm not a I'm not a physio, but I think that could be really bad news on Bubakar Kamara. Yeah, we um, thought that about João Pedro though, when he popped up playing at the weekend. 
So Yeah, but I didn't see what happened to Jao Pedro. Okay. I saw what happened to Bubakar Kamara. Um, and I would have fingers crossed for him that that's not an ACL. Because it might be. Yeah, no one wants anyone injured. Touch wood. No, but obviously an ACL doesn't just rule him out of this season, does it? It rules him out of half of next season probably as well. So touch wood for him that it's not... The chances are, though, he's probably done it. I would suggest at least sort of the Martinez one where he's done some sort of ligament damage and that'll keep him out for a while, I think. He is so important to them. There isn't anyone else in that squad that can replicate what he does in their build-up and also often without the ball either. He will be a huge loss. I'm serious. A huge loss. And that's going to be really problematic for them. That said... They've got great fixtures coming up. And for there'll be certain games where they can deal with it. But they'll if they're without him for the rest of the season, they'll find top four very difficult, I think. Um, it will mean possibly a knock-on of that is a deeper role for Douglas Luiz. So there is an, a fantasy aspect on that as well. He we had a question around whether Luiz or Bailey would be the better asset to go to now for midfield. But if you're saying Luiz is going to drop in deeper, but then he's still on all the set pieces and penalties McGinn and corners. can do it as well. Yeah, um, you could ask Tielemans to do it, but I think when Villa have used Tielemans in in build up in deep, he struggled a bit. You might remember him getting caught out quite a bit for Leicester late in the last season in a few games where he was receiving off the back four and didn't turn and pivot as quickly. I think he's a player who prefers to see the game rather than having his back to it. Kamara manages to manoeuvre his way into right back position. This, this is part of what allows as well Cash and Bailey. Is him, why I, is him going into yeah. there allows them to go up further up the pitch it works better with uh, Cash and say a McGinn in front because McGinn just drops into midfield whereas Bailey's moving more into a, a central area and the thing is with Bailey you want to keep him wide where he can attack people one on one that's where you get him at his best so there's a real knock on impact on this to Aston Villa I was actually surprised as I said that Bailey played because I just think that Cash and Bailey dynamic together doesn't, doesn't, work. doesn't work. I thought Bailey played fine. Cash played a much more defensive role than what's common. I saw him do this in game week two against Everton, where he played as a real defensive right back. It's not suitable for him, because the reality is he, hasn't, he isn't actually very good defensively. The best of him is bombing up the touchline and him having that space to work into it, which again, if Bailey's in his way, just doesn't work in the same way. Um... So I think there's real confliction as to what might happen next with Villa assets. And most of you are not looking to buy this week. And Fulham away, I've mentioned Fulham's home record, is a challenge. Yep. Now after that, though, if you're heading to 29, I think you look at 26, and then it's Forest at home and a good run of fixtures. It's Forest at home, Luton away. Tottenham at home is particularly good for the offensive players. We know that. And then West Ham away in 29. And if you're carrying further... Wolves at home 30 is okay as well. So Villa are going to get right on radar. What they do this weekend is really important. I wouldn't go investing in any of their assets next week, but we will, we are going to be looking at them properly in the build-up to 29, no doubt. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Good, good. Uh, cool. That's a wrap-up of all the games oh, from the I week. I felt like there was one nah, more. Nah, there's one tonight, James. Crystal Palace Chelsea against Chelsea. Chelsea comfortably tonight and he's shooting. Yeah, they do. Palace about Gay, Eze and Elise. Should be uh, should be straightforward, but, but that's not how uh, it works in this league, James. We think we know the Chelsea team, by the way. Uh, you think you know yeah, the Chelsea? There's, there's we someone, haven't that off. I, I, someone I'm who not keeps, getting involved in being no leaker. No, 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 it's not me. I'm it's not a leaker. Information. I'm not upset. No one. Someone. Mate. I think I don't it, spend a lot of time on the internet, but I do know that people are vexed with leakers, Nathan, James. Nathan. Now you trying to Nathan, blame someone else? Nathan Gissing or something who's a. You're leaking, he, James. He keeps predicting the team right, like, every game. 
Um, we think Thiago Silva in the back four, but I think tonight they'll they'll get away with they'll it. Probably be Otherwise, right. it's basically the team that won at Villa near enough. I think so. Palmer will definitely play. Gusto, Gusto, and Chilwell the fullbacks. That's what's being reported. What we got to uh, serve the people with this week in terms of content, James? I might pick out a couple of questions on internet loads uh, clash of correspondence tomorrow Manchester City versus Brentford with Johnny Pringle and Tom Med ahead of obviously the double for both in 25 Sky Fantasy on Wednesday Clayton is joining me for a People's Poll podcast on Thursday the vote will go out for that uh, around about 5pm on the Bird app that's because we probably need to pre-record it on Wednesday this week gives a bit of time to prep and it is chip strategy themed it'll either be uh, we can look at a free hit game with 25 we can look at Bench boost versus triple captain, game with 25. What I'd like to do with that, if that wins, is actually have a look at a few of your teams and decipher whether we triple captain or bench boost it. Take some teams from the community. Also, we That's can interesting because a few of the questions we've had in on the internet are, should I bench boost or triple captain? Okay, and they're cool. listing out all their benches, so maybe resend them into James for people's Vote poll. Yes. Uh, the third option is planning specifically for dead ending in game week 29 whichever to lose that vote we will be covering off on patreon this week uh friday i'll be streaming patreon pods this week include the two losers of that people's poll vote on thursday uh q a today tomorrow ucl fantasy preview totten ass this week which i must stress for suj's benefit suj did say last week stick it in and i think we're going to call totten ass uh <laughs> Ass in the hand, maybe, or something. There's but a pun there somewhere, <laughs> no doubt. Um, we'll do our game with 25 preview on um, Friday as well. The advanced tier content this week includes me and Serge trying to eat four Big Macs. Is that happening on Wednesday? Yes, it really yeah, You told listen, me Wednesday, so listen, it, it's happening. Listen, this, th- we have a Q&A on every Monday. <laughs> and uh, I think uh, it was Andrew or someone said, could we both eat four Big Macs in one sitting? Yeah, we're going to do it. Uh, I think this came from the boys at Juice. I think so. Uh, so give them credit. And even if they didn't come from them, they've got a bit of a shout out and credit anyway. Should we give Juice the rights for it? So we're doing this on Wednesday where we're eating four Big Macs. So I literally messaged you which day and you said yeah. Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think we had this conversation. So Friday, that's worth the patron money on its own. Yeah. I, uh, I just wanted to make that point. I'll, I'll make that, I'm going to make that available for Intermediate Plus. Do you know what they've got as, as well. well at McDonald's right now? They've got obviously the spicy. Can I just say, that's obviously only going to go out as a video. No one wants that as an audio. There's a, <laughs> there's a McSpicy with Frank's hot sauce. I'll piss that, off. That would be the end of Planet FPL. Uh, if James <laughs> ate that, he would die. You would actually, I think not that would doing be that, mate. <laughs> you would die. Not doing I literally would shit myself on Clayton, camera, mate. I'm not doing that. Uh, ate it last week and he told me about it. Um, and uh, I wouldn't, dis- I wouldn't, uh, Fully go into his description, but it, it did involve stories about a toilet. That's there, all there, there, is some, there is some football Mc stuff. Spicy with Frank. There is some sauce. football stuff for the advanced tiers as well. Um, unanswered cues today. Twitter stories on Monday night football tonight as well. Uh, also got the team news stream for you on Friday. We've got Nico's corner this week as well, and talking tactics this week because I watched an additional game on Saturday night. Suj. yes, talking tactics on. Xavi Alonso's Bayer Leverkusen be available for advanced tier patrons this Friday. Giving uh, Harry Kane and Munich a slap up they at the weekend. Did. Properly as well. But I think th- this will surprise. I, th- I-, I don't want to give the game away. Which, okay. wh- who, which manager I thought of when I watched his team at the weekend. I think it will surprise. 
Well, that's for the advanced tiers. Uh, Vicky wants to know that she's got front three of uh, Holland, Tony, and Alvarez. Should Darwin come in for Alvarez? And she already has Foden and Jota. So she's quite stacked in terms of double game week players. You're swapping one double game week player for yeah. another, whether or not they'll both get full minutes in the doubles. I think I'd, I'd, I wouldn't I'd, do I'd, it. No, I'd only want to do it if um, it was part of getting De Bruyne. Okay. That's the only way I would want to do it. I obviously, what I, I, I made my transfers Friday night, what I was saying on my deadline stream on Saturday, which is the same time this week, Saturday morning on YouTube is like whams if like the city leak comes through and, or Alvarez isn't in it do I get tempted to take the minus four for Nunes and the example I kept giving is well uh, this time next week I might be sitting there and I get the Liverpool team at Brentford then what if Nunes isn't in it what do I do to reverse that back to Alvarez and suddenly I've taken, taken minus eights across the path here yeah yeah not so, worth it sure Nunes scored at the weekend and Alvarez didn't what was the difference four points so like, no, I think. I think Alvarez will get enough minutes in the double that it's probably not not worth, like, two home games for City as well. Uh, last question of the show, James. Trent, best replacements, name them. Because a few people have said that. Region, Estupinan. Look, it depends on your strategy. The immediate in Dallo. front of you is... If Connor Bradley's fit... I don't mind it. The safest Liverpool one to get by a mile is Van Dyke. And I think if you're getting someone just for the one game and then intending to sell it straight away in 26, go Van Dyke. Again, the money's, oh, he's two million more. If you're selling it straight away and you're selling it and from Trent, it doesn't matter, does it? Just go Van Dyke. He'll play twice. Double game weeks are littered with people like Van Dyke scoring from corners and the like. So I think Van Dyke for this week is probably the best choice. That might give you a headache for 16, um, for 26, sorry. Brentford players will carry you through, but the double's crap. Tom Med's obviously on COTC tomorrow. I'm pretty sure he would say Region at the moment rather than the centre-backs. But I'm not sure I agree with that opinion. For City, it's just a nightmare. I think probably the outstanding one would maybe be Diaz. But with City, you want it to carry you for a little bit longer. I think from the single game week players... Don't overlook Arsenal necessarily. Yep. Like Gabriel, Saliba, Ben White. Ben White. Again, I think yep. look, with the way they're doing from set pieces, Arsenal, it, it probably is the centre-backs. You know they're going to play, basically, most of the time as well. Not that Ben White isn't, but I think the centre-backs. And then, yeah, you can start looking at um, a few others building towards 29. But I, like you don't invest in like Porro or Udogi at the moment because of the blank in 26. Um, ironically... No, not West Ham. I think West Ham, West Ham Villa. No, West Ham <laughs> and Villa need eyes on them, but it's the wrong week. Yeah, it's the wrong week. So I think from the single game week players, honestly, for me, it would probably be up back to Arsenal. Okay, good, good. Uh, listeners, thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Planet FPL. If you want some of that additional content that James mentioned earlier, then head over to patreon.com forward slash Planet FPL where you can come and support the show. Not only do you get all of that additional content at intermediate tier and advanced tier, but there's you get to leave so Twitter because we've got a nice Slack stuff. community. Yeah, the Slack community is awesome. There's over 750 managers in there that will help you across multiple formats of the game as well. So Sky and all the other stuff is covered off. We've got fans of all of the teams ready to help you there as well you get ad free podcasts so even the regular stuff if you want to listen to it without an advert popping up for god knows what what is it these days bullsh trimmers vpns used cars if you want ad free content because you don't need any of those products 
head over to patreon.com forward slash planet FPL. You remind me of something. Very, James's spreadsheet. Very, very important. Just if Lengths, I can. doubles. This, this will take 30 seconds. So obviously my projections are on FPL team in terms of the future double game weeks and blanks, etc. I must stress, I'm way less confident of them than I was prior to Chelsea beating Aston Villa. Essentially, every game you see currently in game projected for game week 34 as an additional midweek fixture, could be I think could be flipped with game week 37. The whole lot, bar I think the Liverpool fixtures will stick, and the Liverpool fixtures aren't particularly relevant anyway. That's down to what we said about the policing issue of Everton Liverpool being in 37 is something I don't think anyone wants. But other than them and the the Liverpool games with Everton and Fulham, if they get postponed, aren't aren't relevant to any other games because Everton and Fulham are both out of the Cups, right? Everything that I've got projected for 34 could literally switch with 37. And if that's the case, it makes 34 look even worse. Okay. But then you can spin your narrative whether that makes it better or worse to free hit then. There was a semi-segue in there where you're talking about your predictions being on FPL team. Between now and the end of the season, if you are one of our patrons, you get the subscribed use of FPL team where you can log in and save your transfers and use some of the other features that Pete's got in there as well so uh, that's a massive advantage for anybody who wants to and that's from basic tier and above as well so uh, we want to support Pete and what he's doing he's been a supporter of the show from day dot basically so uh, yeah we've decided to uh, chuck in if you get patron just one thing though Pete don't run maintenance on the site at one o'clock in the morning Oh, that's when James wants to use well, we was, it, obviously. No, we was all on it at one o'clock in the morning making our decisions before the 1.30 a.m. price changes. Right? Ah. <laughs> but FPL team is, is a godsend. Um, I couldn't do any of the strategy plan that I do without it. It's brilliant. I'm sure there's other benefits of Patreon. Go onto the website, read them, um, and sign up and come and join us. But most importantly, stay safe, look after yourselves. Ciao for now. Thanks, everyone. Play it your way. Uh, don't do what I do. Definitely play it your way. Cue music, please, man child. The Fantasy Football Show. Sports Social Podcast Network.